0: I feel quite loved all of a sudden. Who are you? Who are you? Uh, well, that's probably an important question to answer. I'm Alan Weathers. Uh, I am the pastor here at the Vineyard. I want to say welcome and great to see all of you here this morning. Uh, man, we are uh, delighted on the fifth Sunday, if you're new with us, uh, we make it a point to have like all of our friends and family together in one space. We call it Generations Sunday. And so um, it's It's different. But it's wonderfully different because each generation brings something special to a gathering. Just like family, we'll find wisdom and experience and story in older generations. We'll find energy and enthusiasm in our younger generations. And when we pool together in this time, uh, there's something that God absolutely created and interwove into family that we experience under our own roofs that we get to experience in this space this morning, and so it's a little bit different than our normal Sundays, and we actually look quite forward to it. So uh, we're going to begin with a story, and typically, I think in the past, we've like had the kids come up for the story. Uh, we're going to have the, the images for the, the story this morning on the screens, and so everybody can just enjoy and participate from right where they are. This is called The Lion and the Mouse. Uh, there was once a small mouse... Who lived in the great big jungle? The jungle was beautiful, a magical place. It was filled with plants and trees and bushes and lots of wild grass. Also, lots of wild animals. The mouse had many friends. The owl was not one of them. Owls like to eat mice, so whenever the mouse heard the owl say, ooh, 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 he would quickly hide inside a big old tree stump in the ground. There was a hole just big enough for the mouse to get in and to keep the owl out, and when the coast was clear, the owl was gone, the mouse would quietly make his way out of the big old tree. Now one sunny afternoon, the mouse was out exploring in the tall, wild grass, and he came across something new and strange. It was kind of like a rock, only softer. And it had fur, like he did, only thicker. And all of a sudden, there was a great big roar. This was not a rock at all. It was the jungle king, the lion. The lion snarled at the mouse, I ought to eat you for disturbing my nap. Please don't, said the mouse. One day, you will need my help. And if you eat me now, I can't help you then. The lion looked at the tiny mouse and he laughed. (laughs) Me? Need your help? How could a small thing like you ever help a big king like me? The lion thought the idea was silly, but he was not hungry. And there was something different about this mouse. He just couldn't tell exactly what it was. So the lion let him go, and he said, Hurry along. Get out of here before I change my mind. Thank you for your kindness, said the mouse as he hopped out of the lion's paw. Now the mouse went home, and he told his family all about his adventurous day. And the lion got up and stretched and decided to go find some shade deep in the trees. What the lion didn't know was that just a few days before, some hunters had set a trap to catch large animals deep in the trees. The hunters would hide their large nets in the dirt and among the fallen branches where they were almost impossible to see. As the lion strolled into the shade of the trees, he was distracted by all the birds and the monkeys and the animals and the noises, and he did not notice the rope that was tightening around his paw. Swoosh! As fast as a flash of lightning, the lion was caught in the hunter's net, and he began to roar and roar. And the mouse heard the lion's cry for help. And he ran through the wild grass and he scurried over the old tree. And he ran deep into the woods and he found the lion way up high in a tree. The mouse scampered along the net until he found where the lion's face was caught between a couple of ropes. With great joy and great purpose, the mouse said, I will help you. I will have you out of this net in no time. And immediately the mouse began to nibble and nibble on the ropes of the net. He chewed and he scratched until a knot broke loose. And then he moved to a new spot and scratched and scratched some, some more. He kept working his way all around the net until finally, flop and flump, the lion fell to the ground. He rolled out of the net and was a free king once again. It appears that you were right said the lion to the mouse. Thank you for your help. I will not forget your kindness. The mouse grabbed one of the chewed-up knots, and he decided to take it home as a souvenir. He gave the knot to his little brothers and his sisters, and he told them, Always remember, big or small, short or tall, kindness, is the best gift of all. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, we are in our sixth Sunday of our sermon series called I Have a Question. And so uh, we've been looking for the last five weeks at the stories and questions that Jesus asked. Uh, and, And this week we have like a bonus question. So when I was in college... I had uh, a professor who always opened every class with a pop quiz, which if you open every class with a pop quiz, is it a pop quiz? But we had a pop quiz like every single class period. And we also would have a bonus question in the pop quiz. So the pop quiz were only four questions. So if you miss one, you're already at a 75, right? But he always had a bonus question. And the bonus question um, rarely, if ever, had anything to do with the actual content of the quiz. It would be things like, who beat the Red Sox in 1993? And that's just weird, like, you know, random things like, how, how many peanut butter sandwiches did you eat in second grade? Um, but it was an opportunity for you to uh, gain the 25 points that you might lose in missing one or two of the questions. So we're going to have a bonus question today, and I'm excited uh, because we're, we're going to get a chance to learn and look at a question that Jesus asked, uh, not only with our ears, but with our eyes, and with our motions as well. So if you have a Bible, uh, I would encourage you, man, open it to Matthew 7 with me. Matthew chapter 7. Um, and if you have an actual Bible, that's great, you know, a tablet, a phone, however you want to look at it, uh, I will have uh, my Bible here on the screen to share with, with you. And as you're finding that spot in the Bible, I'm actually going to need five courageous volunteers. So do I have one from our Amazing Grays crew that would be so bold as to join me up here on the stage? Any Amazing Gray? Don't be shy. What's that? Not everybody wants. Bill. Bill! Come on, Bill! So Bill, if you would, just stand right here. Now how about a parent with kids at home, ideally with kids at home? I will absolutely like Oh, come on. Please come forward. And then we also need uh, a young adult, uh, married to no kids or not married yet. Come right here. Young adult. Yoni, you want to come be? Aaron, to be Aaron. Aaron. Come on, Aaron. <laughs> come on, Aaron. I like Aaron. And then I need a student, grade 6 to 12. Aaron, you can be right in the center. Just don't step on that. It's grade 6 to 12. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't worry, we're going to have to have two volunteers, so we'll grab you just, and I need uh, like an elementary kiddo, an elementary kiddo for it's right here. Excellent. All right, what was your name? Brianna. Brianna, all right, and you are? Josie. Josie, and I haven't met you yet. Abigail. I have met you, Abigail. I have. Okay, Brianna, Josie, Abigail, Aaron, Bill. All right, so what we're going to do is I'm going to give you guys a piece of cardstock. And a marker, and I would like for you to just think of somebody who annoys you. <laughs> <laughs> They're hard to put up with. Do you have somebody who annoys you, Josie? Excellent. All right, <laughs> wonderful. I'm gonna give you about 20 seconds or so. Did everybody get a pin? Oh, there you go, Brianna. Thank you. All right. Um, yes, now, now please don't write their name. Um, don't write their name, but write the thing that they do that bothers you or annoys you. Okay? Dun are dun 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 How we doing? Almost done. You can absolutely play along if there's somebody that you know in your life that annoys you and you can think that thing that just drives you absolutely Crazy. Bill, are you ready? What What do you have that annoys you? Excessive talking. Ex- excessive talking and questions. <laughs> I'm only a little bit nervous now because I'm going to do a lot of excessive talking and asking you questions. At work. At work. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> Abigail. Uh, calls, me by a nickname, calls you by a nickname. Yeah, Gooseburger. Gooseburger. Okay, that annoys you. Yes. Okay. You're wrong. Yes, a lot. All right, Aaron. Uh, my brother commenting on my Facebook post. Your brother <laughs> commenting on your Facebook post. Okay. Brianna? Uh, some kid who does weird stuff and disrupts the class. Oh, class disruptive people. Quite annoying, I would agree. And Ms. Joseph. People who say my name over and over again. People who say your name over and over again. You're like, I got it the first time. I know my name, right? Wonderful. Okay, so in Matthew 7, Jesus says this, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye, right? Now, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could just reach into these people and pull this thing right out of them, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But in the very next verse, Jesus says, how can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. So if you would, I'll take these items out of your hands. There you go. Because we're going to to put more things in your hands. And while I'm gathering these up, if you would, grab a partner, another volunteer. uh, So you can grab one more kiddo, grab one more student, grab one more. Yep, 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 yep. Y'all grab a partner. You need a partner. Come on up. Yes, indeed. And just so everybody knows what we're doing, these partners that are coming up, I'm going to give them eyes. Okay? So, they're going to have eyes. So, here is your eye. Here is your eye. All right? And so, here's one already loaded with specs. Loaded with specs. And one more, Judy. If you need to spread out to give yourselves a little bit of room, that's great. All right. For those of you not holding eyeballs, you'll need a cup. And those. Yep. Again, not an every Sunday affair, but it's Generation Sunday. And why not have a little bit of fun, right? Okay. So here we go. And here we go. Last but not least, we need to get a log in your eye. So if you would, please, put those on. Will you put those on? Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's read Jesus' words again. How can you think of saying to your friend, hello, friend, let me help you get that speck in your, out of your eye? When you have a log in your own eye, it's, supposed to be heavier. it's yeah, it's a log after all. <laughs> all right, so let's get these empty plates some specs. Whoa. <laughs> Here we go. Let's get some specs in your eye. There you go. There you go. A lot of specs. Okay, so you would face your partner and I will give you 30 seconds to gather as many specks out of their eye and put in your cup as possible. On your mark, get set, go. How are we doing? Wow, Bill's actually doing a great job. Everybody count with me, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, you're done. She broke my eye. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, quickly, count how many specks that you have in the cup. How Yes, you can, yeah, I'll take those from you. There you go. Okay. How many specks do you have? And the cup. 22. 22. 15. 10 and this tiny thing. 10, 11. We'll go 11. 22, 15, 10. 22. 22. Oh, 22. 29, there we go. So hey, all right, this generation is the winner this time. Can we give all of them a big round of applause, please? And thank you guys, please. Go have a seat. Take your, if you want to just put the ice up in the other corner, that's great. I wouldn't eat those because I do think they're expired. That's why I used them. Okay, I'm going to try and be here. And see if it doesn't feed back on me. And finally, in verse five, it says, hypocrite, right? First, first, man, let's get, the, let's get rid of the log in your own eye. And you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So, actually, I want, I want to read three, four, and five back to back. Just kind of let, let the words of Jesus sit in the hearts. Verse three Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own. I mean, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? First, get rid of the log that is in your own eye. And you'll see well enough to deal with the speck that is in your friend's eye. A couple of things this morning that we can draw from this. Awesome teaching from Jesus. First, it's this: Jesus is pointing out our tendency to see and focus on the faults and shortcomings of others more so than our own weaknesses. And we all do this, right? Like we we all—it's it's instinctive. It's kind of ingrained and worked in us. It's easier, for some reason, for us to recognize those things that other people do that bother us. And we can even get distracted by those things that we want to call them out on. Or, you know, maybe they're they're, they're things that make us feel superior or better about ourselves because we don't do those things, or that's not a part of our lives. Jesus uses this illustration to help us see that judgmental instinct He wants us to see how backwards it is to focus on the faults of others when we could be doing the work of addressing our own weaknesses. So he's showing us, like, doing that work, working on our own weaknesses. I mean, that's the true path to feeling better about ourselves. And just a side note, like, when we spend the energy of wanting to get those things out of those people or be annoyed or whatever whatever it may be, whatever it may be, we're just kind of spinning our wheels because the only thing that's going to get that thing out of their life is them themselves. We all have logs. We all have logs. This is probably my favorite part about this teaching. Whenever these words left Jesus' mouth and eventually were written down, but from that point forward, whoever heard them and engaged them had a truth spoken over them. We all have logs. So like if we were to take like me and Kylie, for example, we could say, okay, why would I try to take a speck out of Kylie's eye when I have a log in my own eye? And then the converse could be true. Why would she take a speck out of my eye when she has a log in her eye? Everyone who reads it, everyone who hears it is reminded we have work that we can do on our own. And what's beautiful about that is it allows us to grow in grace and growth and common ground. Grace. We can love each other in spite of those quirks that we have. It gives us an opportunity to begin to be like, that really bugs me. But I absolutely know that I have my own stuff and that I bug you. And so I'm going to grow in the grace of walking with you, loving with you, growing a friendship despite the fact that it annoys me. Growth, man, it allows another's quirks to be a reminder to search ourselves. Like every time we engage somebody who does something that is sinful or selfish or whatever, instead of reacting to it, we can respond by saying, man, what is a thing that is in me that I can begin to work on? It's an opportunity for growth. And then finally, common ground. Like we really do have an opportunity to realize we all have stuff. We all have stuff. And so I don't know, like, when you find yourself in a room or in an airport, in a space where there's a lot of people and you can begin to look around and perhaps get caught up in a comparison game or a curiosity thing, you might notice somebody that has it all together um, or needs to step it up. We have this weird thing where we begin to classify and try to like separate each other by those myriad of different ways that we can do just that. And the reality of it is, the beautiful part of it is, is that all of us have things to work on. And all of us are a lot more alike than we might think. And if we begin to approach life and others with this teaching in mind, we're going to see a chance to be more gracious, more gracious, excuse me, have opportunities for our own growth and see that common ground. Last thing I want to say is this. Like, we don't grow out of this teaching, but we can grow into it. So what I mean by that is, like, like, we're not ever going to get to a point where we're like, we're done. All my logs are gone, right? We, we don't, but, but we can grow into it. We can grow into it. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, we can master the rhythm of addressing our stuff first. That we can do. Um, Because we're always going to have stuff. Like, it doesn't matter how good we get at getting rid of stuff. There's just going to be more stuff. Like, whether you're 6 or 60, we still got stuff. But through repetition, through commitment, what I would even say is, like, partnership with the Holy Spirit. I mean, we can become people who consistently work on our quirks and have grace for the quirks of others. Like, think about that for a minute. If you know someone who's humbly, quietly, and consistently, like, working to kind of get the junk out and make more room for more good. And then when you're around them, they're kind and they're gracious and they're warm, and they're accepting, but there's still something about them that inspires you because they they, they won't stay where they are. So being around them, you don't want to stay where you are. There's a beauty about growing into this teaching. There's a real maturity that Jesus is calling us into. Again, people who quietly work on themselves, and diligently welcome others and their quirks with grace. These people are contagious and inspiring. So how do we become those people? What do we need to do to first get the speck out of our own eye? The first thing I would encourage you to do is like identify it. Identify one spec. There's a bunch of ways you can go about this. There might be one that you just know. It drives you crazy, right? There's a thing that you do that drives you crazy, not alone, let alone anybody else. Um, identify that, like pinpoint it. Say, okay, man, I'm going to begin to work on that thing, that habit, that tendency. If you're really bold for this first one, I'll give you a side project. So right before I came here um, and made the move to Baton Rouge, I met with a friend of mine. He was actually an acquaintance at the time. and We became friends over the course of a couple of meetings. He's a pastor that's retired there in, the, in Texas. And he was telling me about the importance of vision. So, I mean, you got to have vision. He was like, and before you go off on vision, he was like, t- you need to go away for two days, find yourself a cabin and just like a pen and paper in Jesus. You need that. He said, but before you do that, You need to be more self-aware. And he gave me this homework assignment. He said, I'm going to tell you, go to somebody above you, somebody below you, somebody beside you, and your wife. You don't have a wife or a husband, your best friend. Above you, below you, beside you, and your best friend. And ask them two questions. What do I do that frustrates you? And what do I do that delights you? And I was like, oh, man. And can I just tell you, that might be like a, something you wouldn't just step into with all kinds of enthusiasm. But what I learned, so there were some things like, like with the guy above me, my executive pastor. I was like, I know what he's going to say. So much so I didn't even want to ask him. But when I asked him, he said another thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So one, the thing that he said wasn't near as bad as the thing that I was hanging over my own head, and it was actually quite illuminating to me. It was helpful to me. If you want to know what that thing is, I'll tell you after service. I don't want to spend all of it right now. Um, but that's a, it's a really fun assignment. Again, somebody above you, like a boss or somebody that you answer to, somebody below you, somebody that answers to you, besides you. And then, you know, someone very close to you, a significant other. Ask them, what do I do that frustrates you? And what do I do that delights you? Second, once you've identified it, let's replace it. It's not best practice, I would say, to just stop it. Okay? I was hanging out with Ryan. So I'm going to steal another wisdom nugget from Ryan from back in the back. And I'm going to give it to all of you guys. He says, nature does not like a vacuum. It just doesn't. Nature, nature doesn't like a vacuum. So if you stop something, you're just, you're creating a void. It's way better to replace it with something. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to stop smoking. Okay. Well, what are you going to do instead? Like, you get to a point where you're like, I want to smoke, but I'm going to stop. I want to do this thing, but I want to stop. It's like, I want to do this thing. I'm not doing that thing anymore. I'm going to do this thing instead. Replacing it allows us to like spin that energy in a new direction. So identify it, replace it, and finally, man, give yourself some grace as you grow out of this thing that you're identifying. So there's this book that I would highly suggest, at least the first third of it because I haven't finished it yet. It's called Habits of a Household. But in the first chapter, it talks about like habits for families. There's this incredible sentence at the summary of the first chapter that says, habits are norms, they are not rules. And so give yourself grace as you are trying to establish a new habit. Because the reality of it is you're trying to establish a new norm. It's not normal yet. It's a vision, it's a dream, it's a goal, it's a thing, but it's not a thing that's formed in you yet. So often, we, I know me, I'll feel like, okay, this is the new rule. This is the new habit. I'm going to do this. When I don't do it, when it's not normal for me, I'm like, I start kicking myself in the teeth. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'm awful. I suck, right? Like all those things. But give yourself the grace to grow into this new thing, to grow out of what we're looking for, Grow out of the log and into the new activity. Be determined and be consistent that it will become a new norm. You're after the new norm. But until it's the norm, like, give yourself a break and the encouragement to keep pushing forward.